Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you. And I want to share something that has become alive to me in the last few days. And I'm going to use as a sort of basis for it We've looked at these verses before for another reason. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, and Moses is about to depart, and now he is appointing Joshua. And so he says to Joshua, verse 6, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So um, then in the sight of all Israel, he says to Joshua, Be strong and of good courage. And then again, the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you, not leave you, nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Well then... Joshua is now alone. Moses dies. And in Joshua chapter 1, you have the command reiterated to Joshua. Okay, Moses now is dead. Moses appointed you. Now he's dead. So now you go. Verse 5 of Joshua chapter 1. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses... So I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wheresoever you go. Uh, Do you get it? Um, Moses said it twice and then over and over it is repeated to Joshua as he is about to step into what you might call his destiny. He's lived a long time. He's um, an old man but all that we really know about Joshua in terms of unfolding history is in this book called Joshua, and right at the beginning of the unfolding of this destiny that Joshua has, this releasing of the potential of Joshua, right at the very get-go, it says over and over and over. I mean that, verse after verse, the same words, be strong and very courageous. Be strong, very courageous, and then backing that up with the negative. Do not fear, do not be dismayed, do not be timid, and so on. I I think the very fact that this is repeated so many times, um, we, we have to take note. We have to look at it. This is of supreme importance. It, it, If the Holy Spirit said this to Joshua over and over and over again, it must be of tremendous importance. I suppose you could also point out that this is 40 years after the parents of the now existing Israelites, their parents, back just after Mount Sinai, you remember they went to the edge of this promised land, Canaan at a place called Kadesh Barnea and it was there that they looked at the enormity of the task of going into this place that God promised he had already given to them and they they pulled back and they were terrified they were filled with anxiety 
and despair and condemnation that they were so weak they couldn't do it and they said we will not go in that is all except for Joshua though he did seem to hold back for a few hours though he never did join the ten who said all of the above but Caleb especially Caleb he answered the the entire nation not only the the ten scouts who came back with such a dismal report but he answered he said yes I, I know it's a, a place that is the biggest challenge that we could ever imagine <clears throat> it's also the greatest opportunity and if the Lord is with us then we can go in and all his promises will come to pass they didn't and Caleb's words hung in the air for 40 years until now and so this reiteration of be strong and of good courage is over against look 40 years ago a whole generation lost their inheritance an entire generation failed to discover God in his fullness uh, of faithfulness his being with us no don't don't go that way be strong and of good courage and I could also take from what he is saying here is that if you do not have this courage then you will not be able to take the promises you will not connect with the power to bring them to pass you will not accomplish your destiny you will join your ancestors bones in the desert because they never laid hold upon what God plainly gave to them it's going to take courage to lay hold upon the promise that's the point and if you, if you forget everything else remember that it takes courage it takes this word that is continually reiterated by the Holy Spirit to Joshua it takes courage to lay hold of the promise it takes courage to do what God is telling you to do it takes courage to be the person that God says you are courage and when you move into the New Testament um, and maybe another time we'll look at it more directly that the words used for courage and strong here are translated over into the New Testament and use slightly different words but it's the same thing and you don't have to read too much of the epistles of the New Testament which outline this abundance of Christian living before you realize that it is saying that unless you are dependent upon and exercising the power that comes from the Holy Spirit and living in that kind of faith this, this enormous power that is available in Jesus Christ unless, unless you take that power unless you use that strength you're going nowhere going nowhere the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is the courage of the Old Testament and he's not the optional extra he's not the cherry on the cake of the Christian life he's not for a bunch of oddballs who meet in a, a place to to shout and praise God no the Holy Spirit and all the flow of life that comes with him all the giftings that he brings with him and all the exuberance of praise that's the Christian life it's Christian life not not something odd not something weird now the weird if I take what I see today against what is in the New Testament and in the hundreds of years after that the weird and the odd is to live like robots in a religious thing called Christianity where, where you no longer see any demonstration of power never get excited or exuberant over the love of God towards you just go like zombies and leave like zombies to have no effect upon life now that's the odd good grief is that the weird that you say you believe 
in this God of love. You believe in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and walk through life as if nothing has ever happened. Well, that's a, you see. Now, this, this is courage. So what, what is courage? Well, what exactly did the Lord mean when he said this? We've got to, I, I want you to listen to this very carefully now. Courage is not to be naturally fearless. You know, it's, there, there are people, and I don't know, it's their chemistry, it's, it's in their hormones, I suppose, that, that they, they seem to have no fear. They're, they're reckless, they're daring, they're, they're naturally, in their own natural chemistry, they seem at least to be fearless. That is not courage. That's not even the meaning of the word in English language or any other language. And anyway, I want you to hear this, you might miss it. It's a command he gives over and over again. Only be strong and very courageous, it says here. But just a minute, that's a command. You, you follow me. That's not a description of Joshua. It's a command for him to obey. So to be strong and very courageous is a command. Therefore, being strong and being courageous is having fulfilled that command. So I have to say, just in the light of that, that courage is a choice, right? Courage does not just arise inside of you, you like a, a mist on a, a summer's morning. No, um, it's not. It's not a natural fearlessness, a natural boldness. No. It's a choice that one makes in response to the command that God gives. God says that we are to be strong. We are to be courageous and we are to do so in the light of the fact. He said that he is with us. He will never leave us, never forsake us and so on. He said, because I am with you, my presence is with you. In, in the light of that, I command you to... Assume courageousness. Interesting. The word means in its deepest origin, it's to do with the heart. The heart of your very self. It's a heart matter. You might know that in the Latin languages, C-O-U-R is part of their word for heart. And so that's the word in French, and I believe it certainly is the word in Spanish, possibly in Italian. Um, so, so right there in terms of our English language, C-O-U-R is right there telling us that's the word for heart. And this word is a, it's all about your heart. That's very important. Courage describes a heart, a center. You know the center of you. It describes your, your center as fixed. Do you remember David said that quite a bit in the Psalms? He says, my heart is fixed. That is at the center of myself. I, I, I've got my North Star at the center of myself. This is it. This is, I set my face using New Testament language, I set my face as a flint. It is, it's hard. That's even the meaning of this word in Hebrew, to set hard. To, it, it's to, to infuse with, with strength the very heart so that you are focused and with intention. This is the path that you are going to take. It's your heart. That is, it's got nothing to do with, with passing thoughts. You know those thoughts that pass through your mind like a wispy white cloud on a summer's day. 
uh, here and they move across the sky and they're gone. And, and, and people who only live at that shallow level say, so I had this thought, and off they go to try and do it, and of course it's gone by the time they try to do it. it is, no, you, you don't live in those passing thoughts. You have lots of thoughts, lots of ideas, lots of I think I should, I might, it would be a good idea if. No, all of that is, is not even alive. You're, you're just having electrical impulses through your brain. Um, I'm talking heart. I'm talking center of self. I am talking intention, determination. It is where you come to rest and say, this is what I believe. Uh, see, we've got, again, in today's, it's a terrible thing that we, we have to grapple with language as to what we really mean by it, because language has been so watered down, so altered that we, we hardly know what we do say. But to believe something is a matter of your life direction. Actually, okay, I think you've been with me long enough, you can put up with all this word stuff. Um, the word believe is an Anglo-Saxon word. Um, that goes back to where us Brits came from. A and into the English language came a lot of Anglo-Saxon. And in Anglo-Saxon, be, that was the word for exist, to live. And it still means so in, as it's come into English. Be, to be, to exist, to be alive. I is, I be. Um, but then believe, well, be, to live, and leaf, or leave, is in accord with. That, that's the Anglo-Saxon word for the, our English phrase, in accord with. So to believe, to be leaf, to believe means I live my life, I be, I exist, in accord with whatever it is you say you believe. So belief is not a mental thing, of course not. Belief is, this is how I order my actions. This is my world view. This is how I see life. This is how I make decisions. It's belief. It's a heart matter. My heart is fixed. And courage belongs in that section of me. Um, it's choosing to live, then, from the heart. And could I say this, um, it's choosing to live, all, it's not just from sort of vaguely the heart, it's choosing to live from the thoughts of my heart. And there is a difference between the thoughts of your heart and the thoughts of your mind. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, it, it's choosing to live from the thoughts of my heart and also from the imagination of the heart. Because Imagination, in our imagination, it's where we come almost, <laughs> we're very close to our being made in the image of God. Uh, we can see that which presently is not. Wow, no other creature on the planet can do that. Imagination. Well, in my heart, what do you see? How do you see things? Um, because courage is living from the thoughts and the imagination of the heart. Your, your heart is your true self. It's who you be. It's your true self, your true self. Where I look at I and say me, you see. So I choose to live from the thoughts and imagination of my heart, my true self. That's courage. But that means then I do not live from the thoughts and the imagination of my mind and my sense knowing. That is the five senses, what they report, what they see, what they feel, what they smell. I don't live from there. And, and, and the thoughts of my mind, you see, they, they come a lot of... My, I thought, you know, um, I've said it before on this program, I, I think, um, that we, we have, scientifically, they've, they've found out in their neurological studies, uh, we, we have 1,200 words a minute 
chattering through our minds. And 1,100 of those words that pass through our mind every minute are negative, down-putting, calling ourselves unworthy, joining with Satan's accusations of condemnation. In a word, I've got 1,100 words a minute that pass through my brain to tell me I'm no good. I can't do it. You're a failure. You'll never amount to anything. That's outside of Christ, of course. We renew our minds in Christ. But that's the human situation. So I, I've got all these thoughts uh, that, that pass through my mind, all the, this running, chattering commentary upon what is happening. And then it jumps off into the future to imagine my mind, my sense, my flesh imagination imagines what life will be like in the next hours, the next days, the next years. And always those imaginations are with an absent God. I never, with my mind, with my senses, my flesh, I never imagine life this afternoon or tomorrow as what it will be like in the love of God. Have you noticed that? Because all those sense thoughts, those flesh imaginations is what we call anxiety and fear. Because I'm seeing, I see myself a failure. I see myself as not able. I can hear myself and prove it in my imagination. I can't do that. So I don't live from there. Courage is choosing to live from my heart. Not my crazy mind. Not my, my, not my thoughts, not my feelings that I'm presently having. And therefore, not from Satan, because the only place Satan can get at me is here in my, my thoughts. It, it's here in my flesh, my senses, my organs of my physical body. And so Satan will keep pouring in his thoughts, which are often called those flaming arrows that he shoots in, and their accusation, accusing us, slandering us. Always there's condemnation in the words. Always they leave you feeling unworthy. They're lies about what you see because you only see a half of it, sometimes only an eighth of it, of what's really going on. They're illusions. And they fuels your imagination in terms of all this accusation and condemnation and failure, always causing you to feel dark and no good and afraid and all of that. Well, you don't live from there, you see. You choose not to. You choose to live from the heart. As you see, fear is cowering, from which we get the word coward. We cower before the size and the challenge of the enemy, whatever it is that's coming against us that we perceive is hostile to us and is seeking our destruction. We cower before the size of it. And that's when we get all these thoughts, we can't do it, we can't do it. We're finished, it's over, it's done. It will trample us, it will tear us to pieces. Resulting in a paralyzing fear. Or we, we see an opportunity. Oh, what an opportunity. What a challenge. But then these flesh thoughts and all our ancestors' thoughts that are given to us in the early years of our life, it says, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? You're a nobody. Good grief. You, you've, got, you've got no strength. You've never done that before. You've got no experience in that area. You couldn't possibly do that. And anyway, the last time you, you tried to do something like that, look what happened on and on and on and we cower before opportunities we say no to challenges because we're living from our flesh from our mind our, our mental imagination our senses and we cower before it you see courage is seeing the same things he's the same enemy same opportunity same challenge but chooses to live from the heart. My true self, my true self in Christ, my true self with the promise, the promise, God's covenant faithfulness, I will never leave you. I will 
give you all the strength you need. I will never fail you. I'm putting before you opportunity. I'm giving you challenge. And yes, it's full of enemies, but I'm with you. And I, who have given you the promise, is the one who will strengthen you and carry you through. And courage says, I choose to believe that. And for fear is, is chattering, yapping like a silly dog. And you choose to go where your heart is fixed, where you've anchored into the promise of God, the being of God, the living Christ present in you through the Holy Spirit. Do you get the point now? And so this man acts. He goes in and he takes the promise and he obeys the promise and he enters into opportunities and challenges well, this chap is cowering over here and saying some people get all the breaks. Or, or, well, he's special, you see. He's special. God does things for him he won't do for me. No, that's not the truth, you see. This, this man is in himself, left to have been a natural human creature. He's as weak as the next chap. But he chooses to declare his true connection, his true union with Christ who rose from the dead and therefore can take what is in front of him to take. So courage is living life from the center. And in the center of me, in the center of you, Jesus Christ lives. That's do you believe that? Do you not know, says Paul, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the dwelling God, Holy Spirit lives in you. And in the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son, Jesus lives in me. Do you understand? I not only live and move in God, Holy Trinity, but Father and Son, Holy Spirit, dwell in me. Jesus said that. John chapter 16, I believe. It's, it's, it's who you are. Wake up. <laughs> That's who you are. That's who you are. And if that's who you are, then suddenly all these things you're afraid of seem so stupid. It's courage is living from who I truly am, drawing upon it. In that way, instead of being focused on all that my fears and this mental imagination and my, my flesh feelings, all well, everything they're telling me and uh, prognosticating for me, they're, they're telling me this is the way it's going. And inevitably, this is the way it's going. Instead of focusing on that, I don't fight it. Because the moment you start, I won't think that. I won't think that. That just has twins. Have you noticed? You say, I, I won't think that. Well, you've just thought about it in saying you wouldn't think about it. Now, you, know, you never fight it. Don't you? The, the enormous power that is in ignoring... Um, one of the greatest strengths of a believer is to be unmoved by the threats of Satan. In what is it? It's in Philippians in chapter 1 where he says, in effect, uh, just, it says, you're not moved by your enemies. Is that, you essentially ignore them. They're not worth debate and it's lies. And so I simply ignore it. And that strikes terror. It says that in Philippians 1, which is terror to your enemies. They're not taking me seriously, you see. Satan is not, that, that believer is not taking me seriously. <laughs> He's seen through me. We ignore it. And we focus, we give our total attention to the truth. Or you could put it this way. Instead of listening to at least the potential of 1,100 words of negative um, telling you you're no good. Instead, we, we don't even bother. You know, it's, it's the interference on the, on the radio, but you don't bother with it. You're, you are listening to your heart. 
and your heart is in union with Christ by his Holy Spirit and listening to your heart, you listen to God's thoughts. Or dare I say you listen, maybe should I say you see God's imagination. You see what God sees you are. That will blow your mind for eternity. You will hear what God says you are. You, and that you begin with your heart. You begin to think God-sized thoughts. You begin to see with, with a God-clarified imagination. You see God's thoughts about this challenge, about this opportunity, about your enemies. See, faith comes by hearing. I, I don't want to push it silly, but faith is not, faith doesn't come by something you heard, no, something someone said five weeks ago, something you read in scripture that leaped into life a year ago. No, that's, that's gone now. Um, faith comes by hearing this now. And the idea in the word command in, in the New Testament is almost of a, a great gushing stream. There's, there's pouring out of God's thoughts and God's words and God's seeings concerning you. He sees you in Christ. He sees Christ in you. He never sees you outside of Christ, for that's the new you. I live Yet not I, it's Christ who lives in me. For me to live is Christ. That's how the Father sees you. It's not a fiction. That's who you are. So the very life of Christ and the same spirit upon Christ is upon you. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I mean, that's plain English. Everything the Father has given to Jesus, he in the same moment gave to you. <laughs> you see the stupidity of fear? And, and the normality of courage to, to see what is mine, to see who I am, and then to act in accord with that. So... Um, what one learns to ignore that continual mind chatter that is ever putting us down and contradicting truth, we, we, we learn. It's part of mind renewal. Sat the other day um, in our home visiting and we, we heard the patter of rain outside, sometimes on the window, on the porch. And of course in Texas, especially here in South Texas, that's a very unusual thing. We've gone for months without rain and, and, and so to hear rain, it draws your attention. It sort of interrupts what you're... But after a while you, you learn to ignore it. I mean, it's raining, thanks be to God, but it's raining. And, and we, we don't we don't stand the next hour. Actually, we did get up to look at this strange phenomenon. But um, then you sit down and continue visiting and you ignore. Or maybe a better word, you block out the sound of the rain on the porch. It just is. It's there. But uh, we've got better things to do. Do you know that the main, I mean, just the way God has made us, the main function of your brain is to block Maybe you've never thought of that. Uh, my, my hearing. If my hearing heard everything that is bombarding my ears, I would go crazy. My brain, God made it to block out so I don't hear. And right to this minute, I am totally absorbed in speaking directly to you. And so there's a lot of things going on right now. And I... I 
I block them and not not I mean I'm not sitting here and saying I block I block I block but that's the function of the brain you ignore it because I've got a focus here I've got one thing to do and that I should do focus um, so courage is this intentional redirecting refocusing giving attention to the words, the thoughts, the imagination of God concerning you in union with Jesus, your life. So put it this way. The normal outside of Christ, the way of mankind in his darkness, fear. Fear is the dominant Emotion is the word. It's uh, the dominant energy of, of mankind outside of Christ. And, and, and fear stands in awe, you know, awe of the difficulty, of the impossibility, whatever form that may take, the enemy, the opportunity, the jump. But fear backs off. It, 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 it stands in or terror of, of the difficulty of it and then feels the condemnation of being so weak and shamed at its own inability that's mankind but courage in Christ stands in awe and wonder beholding God love agape this love that God is that casts out all fear. Courage stands in awe and wonder that I, this human creature, I have been united to Jesus in his resurrection. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now released in my spirit. That's who I am. I live in the world of life over against the world around me of death. I stand in awe. That's who I am. And I find myself saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And in the context of that in Philippians 4, he is saying whatever it is that comes down the pike, I can handle it. I can handle it. So I, I say again, courage is not natural fearlessness. David said in the Psalms, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Now that, that's an interesting text. I can almost take off and preach it. Listen, when I am afraid. So that means then David knew the approach of fear. He knew his immediate flesh response to a situation. Fear. But in that immediate response to the situation, his flesh reaction, fear, I can't. I don't have it. I'm too weak. In that moment, he chooses courage. When I am afraid, it's his natural default position. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. So in the moment of fear, he turns and now focuses his trust upon his true center. And I mean Psalm 23 that we know so well, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So evil is present in that valley of the shadow and apparently Fear presents itself to David. But he says, in such a day, 
I will, 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 choice, faith in action, I will fear no evil. And why? Where, where, where are you? I mean, if, you, if, you, if you've got two eyes in your head, you can see this is a dark valley, it's full of danger, it's full of... Why aren't you afraid? Because I'm looking somewhere else. Where are you looking? I will fear no evil. For, because you are with me. Do you get this? We, we live from the heart, where we are united with God through Christ. And so, at that level, we think, we think God-sized thoughts, God-illuminated thoughts, where we make plans in accord with those God-sized thoughts. And we draw from and act in God-sized strength. And we speak what sounds to others of boldness and assurance because the Holy Spirit is giving articulation to our heart and what we see. So I suppose really you could come down to it to say that courage is saying, I live, yet no longer I, it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's courage. That's saying there is infinitely more to me than meets the eye. There's infinitely more to me than what I feel about myself, think about myself, what you say about me. Oh, no. Your parents don't know who you are. You don't know who you are, except the revelation of the Holy Spirit gives you that knowledge. You are Christ in you. You are you in Christ. And that's more real than this desk I'm sitting at. So every application of life, that's who you are. That's who you are in your relationships, your most intimate relationships, and your relationships of friendship and neighborliness, your, your presence, in the neighborhood association, in the parent-teacher stuff at school. and uh, That's who you are. That's who you are. Not sometimes. Not, not while you're in church or something. But it's, this is who you are. This is how, when you drive. This is who you are in your office. This is the chap you are in the factory. This is who you are. This is who you are, soldier. This is who you are, Ammon. This is who you are. Whatever you find yourself in, it's Christ in you who gives you the thoughts, who gives you the insight, who gives you the wisdom, who gives you the strength to do. You see, you've got to stop all this nonsense, because that's what it is, that, that only some things in life are spiritual, and that's where G Jesus shows up. No, Jesus shows up in the kitchen. He's your wisdom in cooking. Jesus shows up in the store. He's your wisdom in purchase. Jesus is there in the office. He's your wisdom in, in the running of, of a company. There's no such thing as secular. You see, you, you have this God-given courage who is Christ in you, you in Christ, to live in every application that life demands. You know, it's a very strange thing. I, I suppose it's at this point that we really face what the flesh is and why the Holy Spirit forever wars against the flesh. <clears throat> Have you noticed there's a strange... We, we are... I don't know the word. We, we are at home in fear. Yeah, don't, don't cut me off. 
This is the truth. A it's a sort of default comfort zone. I, I'm so used to drawing back. I'm so used to looking at myself as unworthy and no good and unable and I can't that huh, I, I'm used to it. And it's comfortable. Even though in the exercise of it, it's it's not comfortable, it's painful, but somehow that pain is comfortable. It's the zone in which I do whatever I call life. And could I also say that there is a reverse to this, a person who looks very um, strong and courageous and is drawing upon their own strength and so in the doing of life though they are apparently bold in so doing they don't live life they live at a very low level uh, at a mere business existence survival level the only way we can live is from Christ and I find believers find that to begin with, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. I almost have to find a new vocabulary to say that I can. And, that, and then, of course, religion has a apoplectic fit and says, now you're being proud, arrogant. You're supposed to hang your wretched little head and beat yourself and say, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy, I'm no good. And you're supposed to bend your shoulders. That's good. That's religion saying you're holy. No, not in the New Testament. All I've done is quote the New Testament to you. For me to live is Christ. That's Philippians 1. I can do, I can, I can, I can do all things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who is my courage, you see? That's Philippians 4.13, I think. <laughs> and there's other verses, and I don't have time to go. I think we'll do them next week, maybe. But, but it's, it's okay, I just throw it out in Ephesians 1.17. Paul is praying for the likes of the people I'm now talking about. He says, I pray the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your heart, those deep eyes inside of you, will be opened so that you might see clearly with eyes flooded with light the hope to which you've been called. Good grief, have you seen who you are? That you might know the exceeding greatness of his power which is toward you who believe it is the same power the same might the same strength that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and sat him down at the right hand of all power in God the Father did, did you hear what I just said he said that that power is the power that we are now in union with. We're in union with that Jesus. In union with that Jesus. We share common life. He has carried the name of Malcolm Smith into that union. And he's carried you too. Your name is there. Every one of you. That's the gospel. It's, it's part of you. And then he says when you're facing all manner of testing and trial and the evil day by, by the time he gets to chapter 6 he takes that prayer that he's just prayed and applies it and he said so, so when you face the enemy he says you, 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 you make sure that you are, make, make yourself strong in the power of his might that is be who you are draw from that strength courage but I, I say that I say it again, I, and I don't know if you realize what I say, but we we're comfortable talking about fear. We're comfortable. We're comfortable out talking about how bad things are. Oh, how bad! If you had, if you knew what I've just been through, and on and on, it makes conversation. 
And if we see what I'm talking about and begin to live with courage and looking into opportunity, looking into challenge, looking into tomorrow with the expectancy of the strength of God and the love of God embracing us and carrying us through, we would find there's a whole lot of people that really don't want to talk to us anymore because, well, I mean, fear, victim, survivor, put those in a mix and you have a conversation around the water fountain. But if you are grasping the future with the hands of God and you're not a survivor, you're an overcomer, no, people don't know what to do with that. It's odd. It's the same thing. You're supposed to be anxious, you know. If you're not anxious, you're not caring. Yeah, but the peace of God says be anxious for nothing and the peace of God which passes all human comprehension will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So, what do you do with that? When you're supposed to be anxious. And I mean, people do think that's normal. They look with suspicion on a person that doesn't worry. You, 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 tomorrow, today, all those things that keep you awake at night, they're in Father's hands. Be anxious for no thing, nothing. It's amazing. So, courage, as I've said, is the choice. It's a faith choice. But that's not a struggle. I think I said it on this program a few weeks ago that faith, New Testament faith, is allowing. It's, it's the act of allowing in terms of receiving. I'm allowing God to give to me what he is pressing upon me. And I think I pointed this out before, but I'll say it again because I think it's important enough to say again that Jesus said, except you become as a little child, you don't enter the kingdom of God. And when it comes to a gift, a little child is the best example of trust receiving God's gift. Because if I, I prepare a gift for a child, and I'm excited, I, I, I want to give it to the child, I just want to. Uh, no reason, I just want to, because that's the way I am, you see. And so with this gift all wrapped, I, I, I go and I'm, I'm excited, you know, I, and I've got this gift for the child, and I present it to the child, and the child's eyes wide open and reaches out to take. And then you've got some wretched adult Seeing, remember Jesus said unless you're as a little child you can't enter the kingdom of God it's the adults you see get your silly head in the way because adults cannot when I say adult I'm talking about the, the adult mind the sophisticated mind the flesh mind the educated mind in the system of this world cannot take God's grace you know here's the child taking. I mean, the, the eyes are wide and every body language is, oh, wow, I take this. I allow you to give it to me. And the adult stands with a prim, snotty look on their face and says, oh, you shouldn't have done that. That is, I want to pay for this. I don't want your charity. You shouldn't have done that. Then the, you see the guilt is beginning to get to the child. But then the adult makes sure the guilt really is heavy and says, well, you should say thank you. I've got all the thanks I want just to look on the kid's face. But now the poor kid, I mean, half the joy of the gift is gone and, and now has to enter into some rigid steel thing. I, I say thank you. Do you get the picture? Everything I'm talking about here the fullness 
of God in Jesus Christ dwelling in you, your true new self in him. That, that's his gift. Come on, be as a little child. Learn to say, wow. Learn to have wide eyes. Learn as the, verb, the word in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, is you stammer, you stutter, you stand outside of yourself. You don't know where you are, what you're doing, because you're amazed. That's the meaning of the word. Astonished. That's another meaning of it says when Jesus gave his gifts of healing and, and, and transformed lives, it says, and the people were amazed. And it says they were astonished and said, those two words, and they mean, you start, I don't know how to say the words. And the other word is to stand outside yourself. That is, I, I suppose today what's our sophisticated or surreal yeah you can't this is you're beside yourself you see and my whole heart leaping out to God that's thanks and that's worship is it the gift is there allow it allow it to be allow the fullness of Jesus through the spirit to function in your life right now okay back to the fear thing you're standing in fear and fear and your imagination of a tomorrow that's failure and you're, and you're you you are believing in your separation from Jesus ever thought of it like that he's up there that's where the father is holy spirit well you dismissed him long ago He's not for today. So, so you're sort of left. You're, you're on your own because you believe in separation. And believing in separation, you're sapped of all strength. You feel your weakness as you anticipate failure. Now, I, I've just told you the truth here in the last hour. So, allow it. Kill the adult. Allow this. Allow it. And in a moment, you say, because this isn't law, you don't have to do so many good things and avoid so many evil things in order to get this. You allow it. That's, the, that's a moment. You turn attention to something else. And you allow the gift of God. And in that moment... Where, where, although it's, it's too fast for work, but you're saying, let it be. Oh, you, you see, religion has told you can't do this. It's going to take at least two weeks to get your life in order. Your life will get into order when you let the gift of God loose in you. You move, and it can be a moment. From deep sadness and darkness and despair and depression, you can choose. The joy of the Lord, which arises in the strength of God, the I can of God imprinted within you. The Spirit ignites the realization of the resurrection and ascension within you. Look, I think I'm going to continue this next week. I've got a lot more to say. But the fact is, we need courage to pray because the flesh is forever mocking us and condemning us and telling us it's not for us. You need courage to praise God and give thanks in everything, especially on a dark day. You need courage to believe the promise of God in the face of appearances that contradict it. You need certain, you need courage to love one another as he has loved you because flesh is afraid of being rejected. Flesh is always feeling scarcity. Love always feels poverty. I don't have enough. I can't do that. You need courage to forgive one another even as you are forgiven. You need courage to choose joy when the flesh wants to wallow like a pig in despair and darkness. You need courage to give of yourself, to give of your money into the kingdom of God. You need courage 
You're standing right now, you're moving into a new situation, a new neighborhood, a new job, a new school, new opportunities. You need courage. Because right as I said those words, all the fears of rejection and failure and, and mocking, I can't, I can't. Some of you need courage because you're, be you're beginning again. After a bankruptcy, after a divorce, after losing your job, and it, it, it's, you're, you're all at sea. You need God's courage. You see, what is a test? We call it temptation. We call it trial. But it's all the same word in Greek. Test. It means when you put something to the test to see what is in it. A test. Those situations in life that we call trials. As I say, the Greek word is test, trial, tribulation. Same word. But it means to reveal. You see, you put a piece of metal under a test to, to see what's in it and to reveal that it is as strong as you said it was. And it will be able to be used on this job because you put it to the test and it passed. And the tests in life are to reveal to you the unlimitedness of Christ who lives in you. The test is to bring out of you the real you bringing you out of the comfort zone of the you who is not, the you that exists in the fantasies of your flesh imagination. Well, I'm done. Um, at least I'm done for this week. Look, go, be strong and of good courage, for the Lord is with you, the Lord is in you, the Lord is through you, and he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. That's who you are. And now the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that blessing of omnipotent love strength fill, infuse your life that you may experience what it means that you live, yet it is Christ who lives in you. So I bless you, and I declare that is the way it is.